everybody, and welcome to a new episode of StartupRad.io, your podcast show with startup news and interviews from Germany. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to a new episode of StartupRad.io, your secret source for startup news from Germany and Europe. And we are here together with Belly from Venture Village. Felicitas on Twitter. I'm Frau uh, underline Feli, and I write about German startups in tech uh, on an everyday basis on Venture Village. So check it out if you're interested in that. Yeah, and we are Fliss with us. Hey, Hello, Liz. I'm Liz from Bliss. I'm a startup social enterprise and curating the topics here on StartupRed.io about social enterprise and positive social impact. And we have Fionn with us, our co-host. Hello, yeah. Hi, folks. How are you doing? Why don't you guys introduce yourselves too, just shortly? Yeah, I'm the co-host of StartupRed.io and my real life I'm work as a freelance. Okay, and this is me, Jörn. I used to work with some startup ideas. I started a few companies on my own. Right now, I'm a full-time employee in management consulting, but I do startupradio.de together with Kirill, where we do a monthly podcast about startup news in Germany. And interviews. All right, so we get started. Number 26 started and launched its uh, banking app, what it does is basically um, having a new account that's pretty much just online. Have you guys heard of that? Does that has anybody gotten the app, downloaded the app? Yeah, I've heard about it and it's an interesting model, business model. What I found uh, risky is something about security and privacy. I mean, it's a big topic in Germany. So what do you think? Is, is it risky to I, use I, it? I, I don't, no, no, I don't think because they, of course, had to um, get together with a large bank. To get the banking license at all, so that not everybody can just start a banking thing or like, you know, hosting money somewhat. So what they do is they have the app in the front end and the back end, but the money is hosted on that bank, like the large bank's accounts. So in case shit happens, the bank is backing it up. There's always a deposit insurance, right? Yeah, can, yeah, um, yeah, kind of. And so what, I mean, different to all the other bank accounts that you would find over here in Germany is that you don't need your bank's network to pull money from the ATM for free. Um, you can use this card, which works like a debit and credit card at the same time. It's in cooperation with MasterCard on pretty much every, well, not pretty much, on every um, ATM worldwide. And they don't charge you for it. And this is kind of normal for a couple of other online banks already. But also they have this really beautiful designed app that has a super great interface. And while other startups right now try to track your money flow to make you understand what you spend most of your money on, that's what they also integrated. And what was the other thing? Oh, yeah, their sign-up process. So usually you would have to go to a bank or like to a post office, show your ID and everything. And they have the system where you have a Skype call with a real person. You show your face, you show your ID. And like two minutes later, everything is set up and done. I've never, like, this is the easiest sign-up process right after sign-in with Facebook. That looks very cool. <clears throat> I'd like to know if they have a, a business version because, you know, that level of transparency I'd love to be able to have in my pocket all the time because right now I run around with, like, a budget manager app so I can see what's going in and out of the business from that perspective. But if I can see better transparency about my costs straight from a banking app, that would make my daily business a hell of a lot nicer. To be honest, I wouldn't know where the difference is. I think, like, sign up for it and check it out. If you, well, I know, I, uh, yeah, yeah, sign up for it. And I would not know if there is a difference between a business account and a private account in this matter. 
I will certainly do it, especially because you say they've got a pretty card. You know, you got me at that yes, point. Yeah, yeah, it is. You can look through it and they just have the logo of number 26 on it pretty large. So ever, I think I'm, I'm not sure if it's open yet or not, but otherwise ask them on Twitter for an invite code. I talked got to it. them and they said that's, that's the way to go. So that was exciting news because they were, I think, about they were supposed to launch in fall. But, you know, when it comes to banking stuff or fintech stuff, I totally understand that things take longer than expected. Like us all, really. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Like us all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any, any other questions or comments on that from anyone? How do you think it rates up into terms of ING, like as a, as a competitor? They would be competitors. Like they, their main competitors, however, would be Simple which is a startup from the US and there's another one moving moving and simple are the competitors from the US and mm-hmm. simple just got acquired last year this time for 117 million by BBVA um however yes the online banks they um the one that you just mentioned and the name that I forgot um they would be competitors but I haven't seen like the sign up process is easy on this one as I say, you don't have to go to the post office because what the other online banks do is they mail stuff to the post office. Mm. So the guys at the post office check your ID and your signature, yada, yada, yada. And this is all done in a Skype call that takes you like two or three minutes. I did it in a, in a hotel room in Barcelona this week. That is really great. That, that is, is really great. Really super easy. So that is, that is an advantage. Other than that, I don't think you get any interest rates and... You don't pay for anything. I don't think there's a large difference between the business models, mm. to be honest. But the sign-up process definitely is is a killer argument for this. It's a pretty card. It's a pretty card. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, but it's 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 literally, uh, literally the, the sign-up process. That's amazing. And the very well-designed app. The app is so easy to like, so simple and not just stylish, but just great to use. I I'm do have a suggestion. Say, I'm not going to say I'm a big fan of this thing already, but you might have noticed. <laughs> yeah, I have a suggestion. Maybe you should use it in February. And then in February news, you'll come back with your feedback, your experience of one yeah. month using it. How would yeah, that absolutely. be? Absolutely. I just transferred money on that account and I'm going to start using it. But honestly, it's a credit card just like any other. I, I have no idea how there would be a difference. But yeah, I'm going to definitely... Test the app, and next time we're going to talk about it a lot shorter than this time, and I'm going to give you some feedback on how the, how the app is working. Sweet. All right, let's move on. In the startup world this month, Rocket, as always, uh, joined many games that are already existing out there, and this time it was Bonadivo. Sorry. Well, all right, so what, what's happening with, um, with Rocket right now is that they pretty much enter the entire household market. So you can not only like book your unique person, you can, you know, order pretty much everything on these platforms. And now, in ex- especially when it comes to food like HelloFresh, Shopwings and whatnot. And now they're going into the regional food area so that you would order stuff that is grown, produced around yourself. Thing is that this is, of course, something that a lot of other startups are already looking into. <clears throat> but as soon as Rocket is entering that market, I heard that other investors stopping to invest in their competitors because they know that rocket comes in takes over the market or pretty much tries to and that chances are for competitors like chances for competitors are you know are getting lowered on the other hand though it's it should be said that when rocket does stuff like that they have the marketing spending and they you know send out flyers and mailings and discount codes and whatnot so they actually bring it to the market and make it available 
to the entire public. So even people who are not into tech and startups hear about it and use it. So in the end, it kind of, it's kind of difficult to say if it's a good or a bad thing, I guess. I guess we'll find out. Food assembly is also quite big mm-hmm. here in Berlin. So exactly. it'll be interesting to see how those two um, come together. I think the thing Absolutely. with food is that there's a lot about trust. And, you know, as our food transparency systems become more important about our purchasing, it'll be interesting to see whether the big power of Rocket and their marketing spend can necessarily, like, become a tipping point for that trust or not. Absolutely. But I think what other people don't know, like people outside the the filter bubble, is who Rocket is or that they're standing behind this. You know, in, in the end, it's down to regional producers. We, yeah, we have to wait and see. But unfortunately, a lot of time, what was the other? I always keep forgetting the other ones that you just mentioned. Food assembly. Yeah, food assembly. Unfortunately, like I've ha- I have seen them around every now and then, but that would be like at events at Beta House or something. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they have the marketing power to push themselves into the center of, of Berlin to be seen by everybody. Well, that is something that Rocket unfortunately does. But I mean, the, the, there's still a slight difference. It's more, I think, real products and not um, ordering food as you do on food assembly, where on food assembly, on food assembly you go online, you know, order a kilo of potatoes and some strawberries or whatever and uh, pick it up once a week in your neighborhood. Exactly. Um, so and on, on Bonativo, bon, bon it's delivered to your house, and I think it's more products that you, you know, marmalade, or like, you know, like not fresh food, I, I think, from what I understood. Exactly. And I think there's just a thing also with the uh, food assembly idea, the idea was that the farmer or the supplier could really just be changing their offer week to week according to what was really going on with their growing patterns. Yeah. Um, which is also so super relevant in food, just also hitting that point of not expecting that our food is strawberries are available all year round necessarily. Exactly, yeah. But, but making that also a bit more transparent about where and how it happens. All right, I have to take back the comment that I just made. You can also order any kind of fresh food on uh, Bonativo. Milk I'll products and eggs. Yeah, milk, eggs, meat, fish, Yeah. all kinds of stuff, yeah. Yeah, however, so that's, that's the big launch from, from Rocket Internet, um, this month. And maybe, maybe also interesting to know is that CEO and founders from other Rocket Internet startups, such as PayLevel, Westwing, and Zolando are part of this. Mm-hmm. And speaking of delivering stuff, there is this, the last mile issue that a lot of startups try to solve and, um, same day delivery which some people think is big. Some others say it's not. However, eBay tested it in Berlin for two months. I think they started early December and they stopped it now again, understanding that it didn't really hit the demand that they were expecting, I guess. What they did deliver was furniture for your home and um, some, like some some smaller stuff, photography and photography accessorized uh, and perfume and makeup products. Apparently, it didn't really hit the market. I don't know. How do you, how do you guys feel about same-day delivery? Is that something that you find is very important or is there certain areas that is very important? What are what, your thoughts? What did strike me when you've been talking about that was maybe they were the wrong type of product that you would need delivered the same day. Exactly. Because I was, I was just thinking about everyday use stuff, food, mm-hmm. but I, I was not thinking about small furniture or a photograph or stuff like that, that is something I could wait for. I'm usually prepared to wait for, but food or something you use every day for the shower, whatever, 
that that would be something I would consider useful with same day delivery or for example for book. I would be willing to wait for a book, especially since I travel a lot. That is no issue for me, but same day delivery wouldn't make a difference there for me. Unless it's the gift giving market. And I think that's interesting that that test was done during like key, a key gift giving time of the pre Christmas area, um, but of gift giving stuff. It's the holy shit, it's the birthday of somebody and what am I going to get them? Quick, get that book or get that, uh, that makeup or that shirt or something. That is, that is correct. Like that was, because we, we, we thought about what would be a market where you, like what would be a product that you would purchase until 2 p.m. in the afternoon that you need that night. I think delivered between 9 and 11 p.m. And it was basically gifts or drinks. Yeah. <laughs> Though again, if you have that before Christmas, Christmas doesn't come as surprising as we always think. So basically all through December, you're already in that kind of like, okay, what kind of perfume can I get her? Or what kind of shoes can I get for him? So maybe, having maybe Christmas wasn't really relevant to that testing though I can like I get what you're saying but you know what I mean more would be interesting like flowers for Valentine's Day I do think some guys do forget it for whatever reason so guys keep in mind 14th of February that's right and Mother's Day I was just thinking maybe those days that sort of do come up that aren't huge on our calendar um, but they're the ones that we we have the oh shit moment. Uh, guys, do you <laughs> see the pattern? It's always for the girls. Yeah, of course. And how is that surprising? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing at all. Okay, um, traditional German brands discover startups right now in Germany. There is in one university, ESMT, Henkel and RWE. They are listed in DAX which is something like the German Dow Jones. They open a startup campus in Berlin, as well as, uh, as one of Germany's leading drugstore chains called DM. They are going to have an online store. Surprisingly, they haven't had one yet. Do you think that's going to work? Is that something that you order online? Actually, not for me. There, There's DM. There are a few competitors. And I, tr- I can just literally... On my way home, close to Central Station here in Frankfurt, I just drop out, buy my stuff there and go. So there's basically nothing that I would usually order online unless I order, want to order it in big quantities like for one month shower stuff. But I think the thing also about the drugstore stuff is like the role of um, time of year and seasons. You know, big makeup times being change of summer, winter, autumn, spring. And, you know, are those the times where girls go on and buy their whole palette for that time period? Or like, is that, for example, something combined with all those makeup tutorials and the bloggers who who do that? I mean, there's there's opportunity there to connect really rich content about how to's with trend products and colors, knowing that they're going to change every three months. Uh, really? On the other hand, though, according to season. I'm sorry, I'm a guy. I never yeah, yeah. Like you're you're. Um, your lipstick, your the colors on your nails and all that stuff is always depending on the season. Like you would have oh, darker, like, dark, like dark red nail polish you would rather have in the wintertime and like bright orange nail polish you would have, rather have in the summertime. Just like in closing. There are colors and trends for everything. It's a market. <laughs> it's a reason to purchase. Yeah. That's the but point. See, 
But, but see, like, isn't it that if you go and figure out this new eyeshadow or nail polish or something that you want to try it on your skin real quick, like just on your hand, you know? Oh, well, you see, I don't. I mean, but then it comes to the hygiene thing. I always think yeah. that God knows how many people have come over and smeared this stuff all over their body. And I don't want to do it, but I would rather take the risk of, um, and, but that's also the stuff with drugstore brands. You know, these drugstore brands aren't expensive. The stuff's pretty cheap. And, um, you know, you've either got your students and your, your schoolgoers and university girls that are buying all their stuff or, or your workers who have no time to go out, but just want to be a little on trend. I wonder, because I mean, what about the return policy? If you don't like it, are you just going to send it back? Cause then, Free you know, that's... lipstick. Ah. <laughs> But also, maybe it's maybe it's not just being a shop. Maybe what you came up with about um, YouTube, you know, cosmetic things, maybe it's more having um, a channel online to sell the stuff so you could link to that. So let's say you have this amazing makeup video blogger, YouTube channel person, and you have a deal with them so that all the products that they feature can be bought with one click through your store. Maybe we do that accept is rather... funding for this idea. Just mail us the term sheet, okay? All right. No, but everybody I mean, who's listening ser- to ser- that. Seriously, uh, seriously, maybe that is rather the case. Because I mean, but maybe that's just me personally. I am not a big online shopper. Like neither for clothes nor for for um, makeup. I don't see myself doing that because you will have to be over a certain amount of money to get it delivered to your house for free. How much? I do. That's the irony. That's I do. But then, for example, I do. I see, for example, I'll see a beauty blogger highlight a trend for a season. And the the funny thing is, is we see the rise and rise of YouTube stars who maybe are just doing the daily vlogging and then they bring out, you know, their eyelash line or, you know, Tanya Burr and um, what's her name? Zoella. People like this start end up bringing out hair stuff and um, makeup stuff and things like that, and then they start enriching. I mean, the, the odd part is, is that they start from content and go backwards into product development. Yeah. And I mean, where's the retailer in that? And then all they do is they're just linking in their blogs and YouTube channels of you know, eight hundred thousand clicks. By the way, go here to Boots Purchase in London. Yeah, okay. yeah, and I think that that is like that is a case that I could see where it makes sense to have the online. I mean, I know online shopping versus, you know, offline shopping, it's rising, da, 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 da. But I think that that is actually a good point where um, an online shop for, you know, those kind of products would make sense. Because for everything else, you have Windeln.de, which also raised a huge amount of money, I think, this month. Is that baby products? Because I was yeah. thinking babies, that would be the other thing because yeah. that's the stuff yeah, yeah. you don't want to be schlepping. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Let's see how that's going to go. It'd be interesting to find numbers from, let's say, Walmart or someone or Target or something mm. um, to see and how far that has, has picked up in the U.S. Absolutely. And also, there's not a drugstore rocket startup yet, which is always an indicator of there's no market. <laughs> if Virgin or Rocket haven't done it, it doesn't exist. <laughs> kind of. If there's a market, Rocket is going to do it. If there's not, well, you figure it out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We'll see how long that's going to last. Okay, and what's also quite hot is actually recognizing that girl power might finally be hitting the startup scene. Recent Grunerstein article came out and said that 90% of founders still are men, but we can see that through Outfittery and the new startup Rebel that they're not only attracting cash with great financing rounds, but also getting through startup pitches. I um, moderated the Startup Rebel during the Ripperbahn Startup Pitch last year in Hamburg, and it was just fascinating to see that um, the idea of 
the secondhand clothes market really booming well beyond eBay and into that luxury mm. uh, category. Um, and whether it's the grunge outfittery orientation um, of Julia and Anna and Alex or Cecile, there's certainly a, a new future there. Is female founders stuck to fashion and beauty and, you know, because, I mean, West Wing is also, um, I think, found by a woman and um, so is Kids and Stories. And these, it sounds like it's all these fields that are typical female fields. Oh, kitchen, we're still chained bedroom. to the kitchen sink. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, no, I, I don't know. But and sometimes I wonder, well, there's rumor, let's put it that way, that people have girls in their founding team because they know it's something that matters right now. You get all the attention, the, the attention if you have female founders. That's always a plus, it feels. Well, I mean, I think the diversity topic in the, the Frauen quarter or the women quarter just generally over all yeah. around Germany is, is a big topic, be it in startup scene, be it in, in corporate. But I, I agree with your point is, you know, as the domestication of startups and the orientation of women around that specific just in that industry. And do we see it in fintech, for example? Yep. Or Jörn, what do you think? Where are women in that? Um, I, as you've been talking, I was trying to think of some female founder in in fintech, but th th there was actually nothing ringing my bell. I think usually banking and finance, it's it's pretty uh, male dominated area. And right now, I currently do also see that in the fintech scene, I would not right now on top of my mind know anyone and who knows maybe i'm just the walking cliche i founded a chocolate company <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe or i was just making my dreams come true because every woman just wants chocolate every day so you may as well make your own damn business out of it right bam <laughs> nailed that down well but what else is what else is happening in the in the fintech community in, in frankfurt anything happening down there Or is it all just Berlin? Ooh, you threw down the hammer there, didn't you? Mm -hmm. Well, actually, we do have a lot here in Frankfurt. Personally, do think it's currently developing as a kind of a local fintech hub. We do have the very good Between the Towers event that takes place every Tuesday. And it's sponsored by Mind Incubator, which is the incubator of the second largest bank here in Germany. It's uh, Commerzbank. Mm -hmm. And that is usually very interesting. We're going to be there, of course, next time it is around. Um, we do have a lot of fintech startups that are kind of starting here and around. There is um, an incubator of Goethe University, Unibator, and there you have, for example, the savings startup Vamo. Mm -hmm. which are doing um savings plan in germany you don't have this 401k but every american listener should know what i'm talking about we do have TraxPay, who did get a two-digit million investment sum what they are basically doing is payments and they're moving the payments along the production chain within the within the um how is it called Supply yeah, chain. Yeah, the supply chain. Thank you. You're awesome. TraxPay, for example, they're moving the payments along the supply chain, which is also a pretty great idea. And I do think you'll hear a lot more about uh, fintech startups in Frankfurt very soon. 
like when the Founder Institute is going to start. Right. So we have some news from Frankfurt. What a good news. So Founder Institute starts its program in Frankfurt. Founder Institute, which names itself the world's largest entrepreneur training and startup launch program, opens an office in Frankfurt. The four-month-long program will provide help in areas such as startup legal and incorporation, hiring, outsourcing, partner suppliers, etc. So, guys, what do you think about Founders Institute? Because one topic which raised up when I've heard about Founders is that normally when you apply to this program, I felt that you have to pay a fee for this or something like that. Is it that right? Is and when yes, why should I pay a fee to apply for this uh, Like What do I program? get? Well, you get all the mentoring and all that stuff. And also, I think from what I understood, you have kind of classes. You know, like you always have incubator rounds or classes or, you know, a certain time period. And each of the startups in that round has a certain, is interested in the other startups to become big because they hold like a tiny amount of their equity. So basically, you're in the same boat with your startup class because you do share um, among your peers a little bit of equity. So that should also force a little bit closer connection. The yeah. first class did not start yet, but one of our guests from our German fintech review, Yasin Hankia, who's also one of the co-founders of the investment fintech startup Vamo, he'll be one of the mentors. And of course, we will look into that. Well, I mean, the thing is, founders only pay 50, only pay 50 euros as an application fee. They, as soon as they get accepted, they pay 100, uh, 850 euros for courses, which is okay. They will contribute earnings for 3.5% of their company. 30% of the pool's return goes right back to the credits themselves, allowing them to earn returns based on the success of their peers. If The company is then successful and receives significant funding from other parties. The institute asked for one-time tuition of four and a half thousand U.S. dollars. So yes, they do pay, but honestly, what I see in other um, accelerators or incubators is where they take I don't know five percent of the equity. This sounds like a fair deal. Yeah, sounds fair to me, fair to yeah, me right. as well. Speaking about fintech, the fintech startup Creditech from Hamburg made two times headlines this month. At first, they had a 200 million funding round from Victory Park, and they also take over one of their um, competitors in Poland. What they basically do is they'll get you credit scoring, surprise, surprise, but also based on um, your friends on social social media data. Um, also, there were a lot news about venture capital. For example, in 2014, venture capital raised more money than any year since 07. Also, European venture capital funding reached a 13-year high in 2014. Of those, 7.9 billion euros went last year to European tech startups And within Germany, we also found the number that 37% of all the VC money went to Berlin. But that actually doesn't seem like to be the end because we do have news from Holzbrink Ventures who raised a startup fund of 285 million euros and also Partech who has a new growth fund for France which has 240 million US dollars. Nice numbers. 
So what was magic about 2014 since 2007? Like, where is that optimism? I do think at first it is that there was no no major downturn in the economy. So all the startups that received venture capital funding before are now flourishing. And since the Federal Reserve, the European Central Bank, all opened the gates to get more and more money out in the market, capital is right now very cheap and very much available. That's it. And if you look at bank interest rates, it's just where are you going to go? Well, from right now, I do think they'll either stay there or go up. I don't think they'll go further down. <laughs> can't. <laughs> Well, we're pretty much at the bottom here. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Well, speaking of cash and funding at Social Enterprise, there's two new funds that are open for social enterprise development. So not only are we seeing venture capital in the typical, I guess, capitalist markets, but also money flowing to positive social impact as well. Applications are open at the moment for the Lloyd Bank Social Entrepreneurs Program. This is the fourth year that the Lloyd Bank has run that program and it offers support and financing from mentoring and, and straight cash to about 300 social entrepreneurs every year. And they have two different courses at two different times of the year, basically spring and autumn, where you go in or you can sign up. Additionally, the Ernst & Young or the EY Foundation also has their applications open at the moment for social enterprise. And they have an accelerator program specifically about, um, I guess, sort of nailing down the financial performance and operational efficiency that, that is really required. I mean, as you know, for any business, um, it seems, I mean, there is a stigma around social enterprise and social business that the numbers and efficiencies don't quite occur so much in the beginning compared to you know, the ethical and emotional goals of doing good. And so it seems like the Ernst & Young Foundation is is really pushing that financial performance from the very first day. In Germany, the standard funds are in their usual process. Bonventure, um, who also have their relationship with Bain & Co., with the social impact, Bain.com, and also Social Impact Lab Berlin also have their applications open until the 12th of March this year. So money out there for people with heart and great ideas. Very good. How is the industry doing right now? Is there, is there any other any news to, to the industry that you can share with us? Yeah, Feline, not really in terms of um, getting great funding or buyouts. No, but, but like in, rather, in general. Uh, it's, you know, it's the start of the year. I mean, and as a social entrepreneur, I can say, I mean, usually the conversations are about people who've decided to go crossover in the first quarter of the year. It's where you find maybe people who've decided to have, you know, they've finished their previous year and they've said, right, I'm going to do it this year. I'm going to create positive social impact or you get that whole rise of positive New Year's resolutions and, and people deciding to, to want to invest or, or start up a heart-based projects. And that's what I always find interesting in, in quarter one of any year. The level of optimism and joy is extremely high. And um, really, quarter three is the one where we, where we see the reality where either people decide, nah, that's just, you know, it is too hard or, you know, the heart is too big and the money is too low or the push mm. for money is too high or the push to go to the dark side. Um, starts to appear after a few after a few quarters. So definitely the start of the year, it's optimism plus full heart, New Year's resolutions. And, you know, people often, you know, go into social enterprise if they've come from a corporate or a capitalist background because of, you know, a personal mission or vision. 
So that's um, this is high season for that. I do All have right. one question to you. In this context, what is the dark side? Thank you for asking, because actually, you know, I was just explaining that to Unternehmensgrün, which is the political lobby for ethical business in Germany. We had a big meeting about that yesterday, and I was literally saying, you know, there is the the point of growth. You can growth in a capitalist company will happen from from a cash and a resources perspective. From a social enterprise, growth is mostly related to the vision and the goal of what they're trying to achieve. And the dark side is there is when you get pushed for more growth, and let's say you are doing your vision or you are implementing the positive social impact that you want to do, but because the nature of business is growth hungry, when you're already delivering the positive social impact that you want to do, yet you're still being pushed to growth, where do you think the growth is going to come from? The dark side, which will be pushing numbers basically, because if you're already delivering the social good that you want, what's the growth answer? It will come on resource efficiencies or, or finances. And that's what I mean by the dark side. Like, hey, when when social enterprises are set up and they are running and they are delivering good, great. We don't have to push for more like we do in capitalism. Mm -hmm. True story. And finally, as a kind of closing note, we do find a lot of studies, surveys, articles that never make it into our news discussion. We have them on our website, www.startuprate.io. It's insights for those with visions. You find something about Industry 4.0, big data. Should you raise money in an angel round? Um, visual breakdown of capital Uh, venture capital trends in 2014 and stuff like that. So just pay us a visit and uh, click on the links if you're interested in that. Great. I'll Great. be definitely looking at the tech trends that you can't ignore. Awesome. So, guys, thank you very much for being there. Thanks for, Thanks for all the listeners. And if you do think we've forgotten something, just mail us. If you want to reach out to us, just mail up www.startuprate.io. Just click on the contact button. And you get straight through us. Great. Catch you next month, guys. Awesome. Looking forward to this. All right. See you guys Talk then. Talk to you. Yeah. Bye. Bye.